Welcome to the Fly Culture Podcast, bringing you interviews, reviews, and fishing tips. Here's your host, Pete Tigers. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Fly Culture Podcast. Don't know if you're like me, but every fishing day should start the right way, and that's with a proper breakfast. So I've sat in Bampton, I'm local, um, and had a really nice breakfast, good coffee to start the day. Um, I'm catching up with a good friend of mine, and I was thinking about how long I've known him, and I think it's something like 18 years that we've been fishing together, and I'm ashamed that he's not been on here sooner, but I'm really pleased to say that we're going to do some fishing together. We're standing on the River X at the moment, on the town water. The water is absolutely crystal clear. Um, It's good timing as well, because this is the Monday after the British fly flare, fly fair even. And um, my friend probably had one of the biggest presents there. Um, he was the man behind up until four years ago, a much loved and a much respected business, funky fly tying. But more importantly is my fishing friend and my good friend, Toby Merrigan. And we're going to chat today. We're going to see if we can find a grayling or two. It's the sort of last gasp grayling fishing really of the season. I've, I've barely done any, but, um, we're going to see if we can find a grayling or two for you as well and talk about lots of other stuff along the way as well but mate toby it's great to have you along on the fly culture podcast how you doing my friend fantastic pete thanks very much it's been long overdue that we've uh not you know got to get out on the river it's been ages mate hasn't it that we've been fishing together absolutely and i know we've been we speak and we've also actually we had a one short session didn't we on the tour um back end of summer when the weather was starting to come right but we had a little bit of a go there but the river's looking you can see actually how big the x has been hasn't it oh absolutely massive i mean i've never seen this river come up so quickly uh in in my life really i mean we're, we're stood here at the moment um the water's super low actually now crystal clear um and you know three four foot above our heads and we're by the river edge here there's huge logs and you know debris where the river came up i mean luckily i don't think too many houses were damaged but it's amazing how it changes the riverbed when you you have such a flood on a spate river like the x um so it's going to be interesting to see if we can find a few today because they, they might not be in the usual spots that they they possibly would be normally it'll be fun seeing i guess what's happened here as well with all this water that it has washed a lot of the silt out and that's possibly why the water's so clear right now do you think yeah, I think so. I mean, normally you come down here and obviously, you know, we all have issues with maybe the way um, that the countryside's looked after these days. Um, there's normally a bit of algae. It's pretty slippery. But at the moment, it's looking absolutely tasty. Um, you know, where I live in Bampton, 50 yards away, we've got a tiny little river. I've been down there, had a look this morning, seen a few grayling. So hopefully we're going to be in for a bit of fun today. Nice. And actually, I'm looking over the other side. I can see a bike, a shopping trolley, all sorts of stuff. And that's probably 15 feet up from the water as well. And that gives a little bit of a clue. Like Toby was saying, there's some huge chunks of tree that have been washed right up onto the pathway. And it gives us an idea of how it is. Um, We're going to fish. Toby's one of the first people, actually, that I used to fish side by side with and would take it in turns. And actually, I'm kind of thinking the very first piece I wrote for Eat, Sleep, Fish was a day that we'd had together 
um, fishing. And so we've set up two rods. Um, I've got a banister bamboo rod. I bought a reel at the, the show as well, an LH d- design, which if you look at my um, personal social media I, I put up, it's probably one of the most beautiful things I've seen. So I'm going to give that a go today with a bamboo rod. I'm going to use an indicator, just a yarn, a New Zealand yarn indicator and then just probably a, a, a nymph and see how i get on so that'll be fun and then you've got a it looks like a what have you got there mate nymphing rod and stuff yeah so i've got a, a nymphing rod uh what have i got today i'm terrible i just grab whatever's in the back of my van so today i'm using a sandro soldrini hydropsyche um this is a rod that sandro gave me a few years ago actually when i was distributing soldrini products in the uk um, it's a lovely nymphing rod and, uh, yeah, I thought we'd do something different. I knew you'd been bringing the boo out. So I thought you can have the boo. I'll have the, uh, slightly more high tech, shall we say? Although these days bamboo's super high tech anyway. Um, and we'll just stand side by side chewing the fat and, um, yeah, swap rods over. I really want to have a cast of that cause I've got a beautiful, uh, Luke Bannister, um, cane rod as well that I absolutely love. Um, so it'd be interesting to see what we do today. Fantastic. And I hope you'll enjoy joining us. We've got so much to catch up on and we've we've done so much fishing together in so many different places. And we're um, I'd love you to come along with us on this fishing trip today. So first thing I've noticed when I've got in is the temperature of the water. Hardly surprisingly, it's pretty cool. Um, we've seen, I thought I saw something, I think it was probably me hoping more than anything else that I'd seen a fish rise. But there's been a fair few midge about as well. When I was recording the first segment of this, that I saw, um, I thought I saw a fish rise, but we're sort of working around it, sort of, the river here, just to put it in context, it's, it's, I think it, as the West Country goes, this is near as a proper freestone water comparable to the other streams in the West Country. It's how it feels to me anyway. And so it's not, there are deep pots in here, don't get me wrong, but it's relatively wide. I would say it's probably 75 feet across, possibly a little bit more. Not super deep. We got a weir probably 100 yards ahead of us that we'll have a look at but we're sort of standing if you're looking downstream on the true right bank um, there's a lot of trees around and where we're standing here there's a branch that's come right out into the water and it's created a little bit of a run and it looks the right sort of spot for a fish to hold I've sort of made a few casts oh I thought Toby had a fish then um with the bamboo rod and just a single nymph i've got like an olive nymph on and as i said i've got that new zealand yarn indicator and i'm really enjoying just making a few casts i don't usually fish the bamboo in the winter so warren and i think had a, a spell last year year before last where we thought okay let's give it a go and we got our asses whooped but i thought it might be just fun to try toby's fishing now just in front of me with a couple of nymphs and it's nice watching him fish the flies flipping them out and just manipulating as well, dead drifting a few drifts, and they're just a tiny little tip, moving the rod tip just a tiny little bit to manipulate the flies to see if that brings someone into play. I'm really lucky as well. I'm not bad at spotting fish myself, but Toby is one of the people I know that probably, I don't know many better who are spotting at fish than him, so I'm hoping he might be able to pick one out for us, but 
is just on the bottom there. So we've got the right sort of depth there as well. So we're in good shape from that point of view. And yeah, we'll see how we get on. Not come very far. Nothing's changed dramatically. Toby was saying, I've, I've, I've been sort of trying to fish the flatter, even flow of the water. But of course, that's speeding up as I'm getting nearer to the weir now at the moment. Toby, like I said, this being more freestone-like, um, Toby could get across the river really easily and has worked the far side as well. He said to me there was a bit more gravel um, than he remembered when he was last down here. Seen some fry as well, which is encouraging given everything they've had to contend with. So we'll continue continuing going up. It's interesting though, he's not touched a fish yet, fishing the way that he is, and neither have I. And there's often where you're sitting thinking, right, well, I'm fishing the nymph under an indicator. I may miss a take or it may not register. I don't feel so bad about it. And like I said before, I'm really, really enjoying fishing this method right now as well. So it's been great fun from that point of view. So yeah, I'll keep going. You may be able to hear the noise of the water running over the small weir here at the moment. It's the first time I've felt really a little undergunned with just um, a nymph and an indicator. But Toby's um, been fishing this water. My money's on him here, but it's still been pretty quiet. Um, and I'm surprised, you know, it looks just absolutely right, but doesn't it always? Um, water, like we said, absolutely crystal clear. Um, I'm stepping up, hardly surprisingly, the other side of the weir now um, is much, much flatter water. And maybe, I don't know how deep it is here, um, just up through there, but there may be the chance of spotting a fish. And I'll have a look at the back as the water starts to run down, see if I can see anything. I've sort of got half an eye on Toby as well. I'm expecting a shout. But it's just nice when you fish with a friend, you can say something and then you don't feel like you've got to say something just to break any silence. We're both just enjoying the company of the river, the company of each other, and pointing stuff out if anything's happened or you noticed anything. And Toby, like I said, knows this water a little bit as well. And was saying he was surprised that we hadn't caught a fish here yet, but that's just how it plays out. And again, it may be that I'm not set up the right way. I've changed my nymph, actually. I put a very small perdigon on just to see. It's got a tiny little orange band on it. I thought it might get me down. It might cut through the water just a little bit quicker. So I'll see how I get on with that. It's kind of cool. It's sort of semi-urban fishing, fishing. And I think if you've read Friend of Fly Culture, Theo Pike's book about urban streams, it's almost got a, a semi-urban feel to it um, in, in as best as the West Country can. And there's a footpath along the river and I'm watching people sort of walking along there at the moment. Now, the reason I mentioned Theo's book as well is that I think one of the rivers he mentions in it is called the Loman. And the Loman is just running into the river here. So Theo, if you're listening, you'll know exactly where we're standing right now. Sort of thrown the bamboo rod in Toby's hand. Like he mentioned, he's got one of Luke's um, super fast rods and I wanted him to have a go of this just to see what he thought as well. Um, it, the, the back of this pool is, as I hope, that I'm sure with Toby's skills, it's getting a little bit deeper and the far side it looks a little bit deeper. Toby said he had some fish from here, um, but it's a lovely, again, flat, even flow. And uh, what are you thinking, bud? 
Oh, I'm just thinking this is a very, very, very nice rod, actually. Um, I haven't cast bamboo since last summer, and that was just with dry fly and stuff. And it's nice to get something a bit different back in your hand. You know, I tend to get a bit bored sometimes of nymphing in the winter, and it's nice just to do, do something a bit different. Um, river's looking in such good condition. What I'm really worried about, though, really, is the, uh, the lack of fish at the moment. Um, normally, we fished a few really good honey holes just to get a fish and you know get your confidence up um, I can only assume maybe the floods have had a bit of an effect do you think perhaps as well the temperature we've seen that drop up a little bit and we know how sensitive you know the water temperature is still cold there's no two ways about that but we've had the air temperature has warmed up a little bit the last couple of days and in my simple understanding sometimes grayling like steady conditions do you think that's something to do with it or you think it is more still them sort of recovering from what they've had to contend with over the the winter period um i think you're probably right pete um i mean we haven't really had that settled weather over you know the last couple of weeks you know we've had heavy rain frosts we've had every everything that could be thrown at it um maybe there's a bit of salt still in the in the water because you know the river here, just a, a few hundred yards away, goes underneath one of the major um, roads going to North Devon. And, you know, maybe there's some uh, surface runoff, that sort of thing that's put the fish off a bit. But I'm sure we'll find some. We normally do. But, you know, as we've always said, Pete, it's not about catching, is it? When we go fishing together, it's about just catching up as friends more than anything. Um, you know, I think we've both fished for long enough now that, of course, we love to catch fish, but the reality is, you know, it's about the day more than anything, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And it, it's a lovely, lovely spot, this as well. And as I said, I'm hoping Toby's supervision um, comes in here and he spots us a fish as well. Like I say, oh, he just lifted in something there. There's midges again on the water and it's the first day that I think they're saying they did say that the sun's supposedly breaking through there is a little bit of blue sky the sun is breaking through the trees actually to our right on the far bank so you never know the nice thing about this is it looks like it, the sun's going to come behind us and as I actually speak that sun's coming through now as well so you never know that may have a small impact on things for us as well might bring the fish up a little bit as well so we'll keep trying and uh, I know there's a spot around the corner that can be useful for uh, or productive for grayling as well but it, it's kind of nice as I said just chucking a line out and and talking and you know in the introduction Toby I sort of said about the, the your old business funky fly tying and how we've just come back from the BFFI. I know you you were we talked in the week and you were thinking about going and and stuff like that. Is there part of you because you had in your stand and I, I saw Pete Wilkins, I saw Alex Jardine, I saw so many people who were on your stand and you had probably one of the biggest presences there. Is there a little bit of you that misses it or or not? You're you're perfectly happy to sort of have moved on, really. Look, I made an awful lot of friends in in the fishing world and I think that's the thing that I miss maybe as much, you know, traveling all over Europe, doing fishing shows, meeting people that you only meet once or twice a year. Uh, and that's what I miss more than anything. Oh, I think I had a little take then. Um, uh, yeah, I do miss it. But at the same time, I think that it was the right time to move on. 
Um, you know, I can feel proud that I had a, a successful business. Um, you know, I still get people coming up to me saying, oh, Toby, it's a shame you still haven't got it, blah, blah, blah. Um, and, you know, I think what I miss more than anything is the people within it. Yeah, and you were a big presence in it as well. And it, for me, it was, as I said in the intro, you know, our friendship goes back beyond that. And we're, I'm sure we'll touch on that at some stage. But it was funny. I think, you know, we used to fish so much together. And that was simply because you had a little bit more time, didn't you? That, you know, I remember the days where we'd be out fishing somewhere or other and you'd be saying, yeah, what I'm hoping is, is 10 orders today. And I've got to go now because I've got to go to... And it was wonderful seeing how that business grew over those years into something which, you know, was a magnificent business that somebody else wanted to buy. So, you know, that speaks volumes in itself. But but also, you know, how that grew. And it, the growth, I think a lot of it was down to you as a uh, front person of that that I think that helped and you knew so many people and your character and your personality and most of all your big heart as well, but also um, your ability to find product. And I, I think that was one of your great skills as well. Yeah, definitely. That's the, the thing that I enjoyed, I think, the most was actually recognizing a deficiency or a demand um, for product that wasn't readily available or maybe thinking outside the box and finding something and, you know, actually finding stuff that people want that, that's a bit different. And for me, that, that's what kind of turned me on in the industry. You know, it was, it was trying to push the boundaries and not be the same as everyone else out there. And, you know, I think I did that pretty successfully. Um, you know, it helped having good friends in different areas of the world and, you know, picking their brains, um, things like bringing in Colin's hackle. What an amazing uh, hackle that, that was, you know, completely different to, say, your whiting, which I used to do huge quantities of as well, completely different, um, but absolutely uh, amazing. I used to get a lot of stuff from the States, um, but also have my stuff manufactured myself. And I think when you're able to control the quality of something, that makes a big difference. And, I, and I've always said, you can never be the cheapest, but you can be the best that you can with quality. And, and I always felt that it was better to do that and, and offer better quality products oops, than, um, than, than just try and, you know, make things as cheap as possible. Yeah, and it was fascinating to see. I remember seeing the logos when you sent me the logos when, you know, that was coming over and you asked myself and Emma what we thought about them. And it was lovely to see that growth tied around our fishing adventures and of course our fishing adventures got a little bit um less because you became so busy you took on premises and everything else that went with that as well and it became a a big business very very quickly and i was thinking about what you said the rod you were using the solderini which i'm a big fan of as well i think they're very very good i remember si yes. oh he's got one nice oh he's got a nice grayling as well how cool is that and that's perfect timing probably what pound and a quarter something like yeah, that yeah on the bamboo as well so it just goes to show it can work that's in the net nicely done mate and that just goes to show it can work if you believe in something and I was almost in that faster water thinking to myself oh I wonder 
you know, should I be fishing much heavier? Should I change it? Okay, I may not be as good in that water, but stepped up quickly. Toby's thrown one out, and it wasn't that many casts. He's been making a few while we've been um, fishing, and he's got a beautiful little grayling, um, River X grayling. I think the flies come out in the net as well, which is perfect, which awesome. looks absolutely fantastic. So the day's underway, and it's the way we may not have expected it as well, might not. I'd have put, if you'd have asked me as a, a slight gambling man, who would find a fish with a certain technique it probably would have been the euro nymphing style but it's kind of nice it's right for this sort of water isn't it absolutely you know perfect for it and like i said um to you just as we were fishing before you came on you know i had fish out of this little spot last time not many um and you know i was saying to you you know i'm a bit surprised that we've not had very many yet but maybe they've just moved around in the floods and, and that's the beauty of fishing a river is you can come to it one day and it can fish completely different to the day that you went last time, you know. And so you're always thinking, you're always trying to outsmart the fish, really. And, you know, grayling are one of those fish that sometimes they can be super easy and you can do no wrong. I remember fishing the Wiley with you many, many years ago. And, and we got bored of catching fish because it was just, you know, virtually every cast. And then other days you can go out and maybe only get one or two or even blank. And, you know, you think, oh, the, the river kicked my ass then. But isn't that the joy of fishing? Absolutely. And coming back to what we were saying about the tackle and stuff like that, and there's a, another story. There's so many things that we've done that have been amusing, funny, just good fishing times. But I was thinking about when you were taking Soldarini on and we were fishing somewhere in Hampshire because we were staying in the three cups in Stockbridge we'd had something nice to eat and I can't remember where we'd been fishing if we would go and if it was the Wiley or not and I remember your dear old um Audi estate when we yeah. fished the, you ripped the front of that off didn't you yeah. trying to drive over a bridge didn't you yeah. I I'm terrible with my vehicles they they I very much view them as a tool of the job it's definitely not um something that i look after not like my, my fishing gear and even then to be honest i'm not overly precious i mean i've been very fortunate to try hundreds of different types of rods reels lines um and you know there's certain things that suit me certain things that suit someone else but you know the quality of tackle these days that's available pete um i'm sure you would agree with me is you know, it's hard to find something that's completely rubbish. But I do think that we should, as as people, be supporting, you know, the likes of the smaller uh, artisan companies. Um, I know you've got an amazing reel on here that you picked up over the weekend. Um, and I use something similar from someone in, in, in Holland, a guy called It's Shuken. He, he does some amazing stuff, titanium reels and, and all of that. And, you know, I think if we don't use these people then the skills that they have are going to die out, you know. And obviously, something I mentioned to you, looking at the pictures of the BFFI as well, it's the age of people. I mean, I'm 45 now, so I'm no spring chicken myself, but I would count myself as one of the young boys in the industry, one of the young boys fishing. Um, and, you know, that's got to be a worry, hasn't it? I think you're dead right. And there were signs of it, and there was a really cool guy I spoke to on Mark's Alternative Tackle uh, and he was talking to me about the Stefan rod because he'd listened to it turned out, oh, look, is that large dark olive going down there? Um, I don't think it is. No. I, think, I think your eyesight Yeah, is. it is. I told you my eyesight's <laughs> not as good. I was getting excited. But I was talking to a really cool guy, and we were talking about Stefan Blanks, and he said he'd listened to the podcast. And I kind of like, as I've said many times on here, these sort of... Um, 
you know, esoteric, slightly different bits and pieces. And as Toby said, um, artisan and the same, you know, I remember describing that to Luke Bannister when I first had him on and he said, well, I don't know. And then by the time we came round to the end of the podcast, he was sort of kind of in agreement that perhaps artisan's the right term. And that money goes right into their pockets as well. And that, that's important to me as well. So I think that's cool, isn't it? It is. And the thing is, um, these guys are passionate about the sport and then they go and buy things, you know, outside. I, I was looking the other day on a website and uh, funnily enough, it, I'm, I'm lucky enough to go over to Panama in a few months time. And um, I was looking for these like sun shirts to, you know, to protect you from the UV rate. And guess whose name come up as recommending this shirt? Luke Bannister. So, you know, it goes to show that he's very much an artisan in the traditional sense. And yet he's thinking about all these more modern things as well. So, you know, you don't, you don't have to fish cane rods and upstream dry fly. You know, you can fish as we're doing with a, an amazing cane rod, an artisan reel, you know, a line designed in the UK and, and actually have fun. And the, the key to it is fun, I think. Too many people take things uh, a bit too seriously in life, don't they? Yeah, and I, I think you're dead right. And overanalyzing stuff. And, you know, I've found, been on the verge of it there. I try and understand why I have or haven't caught a fish. But sometimes they're going to bite and sometimes they're not. Sometimes we can make them bite as well. But it was interesting as well, coming back to the fishing there, that, you know, while we were talking, you said we'd had a couple of knocks. Do you think that may have been a, a perhaps a small pod of fish and you touched a couple of them and then got perhaps the, the bigger one from the pod? Possibly, yeah. I think that, you know, certainly on the X, when it gets a bit colder, as with all grayling, they tend to, to pod up or shoal up. Now, you don't get the massive shoals that you can in some other rivers. So it's two or three fish here, two or three fish there. Of course, where there's a, a real honey hole, like I thought we were going to have below that weir there, normally you can get sort of half a dozen, dozen fish out of there. No issues whatsoever. Um, but today it wasn't to be. You fished one side, I fished the other. Completely different methods. Uh, and I think I had one bump, which I'm pretty certain was a fish. But of course, you can never tell, can you? No, and that's that's um, kind of cool. And it's been fun to see a fish and even capture one on mic as well. So that's kind of cool from that point of view as well. So that's cool. But again, this flatter pool runs up. The river's a bit narrower here as well. So it's probably only 50 feet across, something like that. Did you see that, Pete? Did you see that, Pete? There was a bird that just shot out. I think it was a wagtail. Um, took a fly and came back in. So maybe we're getting to the point now of uh, a few, you know, fly hatching. And this time of year, sometimes you can only have an hour of fishing, you know, really good fishing. When the fish turn on, they maybe look up, you know, we can get a dry fly on super quick on this little rig here and catch two or three fish. And then, uh, you know, that's it really. Yeah, let's keep our fingers crossed for that. So we're still fishing on the true right bank as you look downstream. And we were both agreeing, funnily enough, on on our side, it's, you know, I'm, I'm thigh deep in the water at the moment. For most people, it's probably ankle deep or something like that. But um, the run here is that nice, even flow that I keep banging on about. But it's very, very nice and flat. And it's the sort of place that I would hope perhaps a grayling may hang out. And we may even, with the sun behind us now, get a look at... Um, a fish at some stage but I was just thinking about it as we were um, fishing that I often get contacted by people about whether they want to be a guide they want to work in the industry and I know I had Simon Holm on who's 
made that leap into the industry and is loving every second of it. But did you find that hard to going from, you know, do your previous job and you were in the um, uh, clothing industry, but did you find it turning your passion, your pastime into an earner? Was that a difficult or was it because it was a, a slower transition that you sort of kept the other job going whilst you were building Funky? Was it a difficult one to get into? Um, yes and no. So, I mean, I, as, as you say, I, I used to be uh, an agent selling menswear. So, you know, certain times of the year were super busy for me, other times not quite so busy. So um, it all started, Funky started, because um, I couldn't find any, I, I was really into my um, predator fly fishing at the time, and I couldn't find materials that I wanted readily available. Uh, and I came across something, uh, a fibre, and, um, and when I got it home, uh, my, my wife said, oh, they look like funky fibres. And that's where the name come from, Funky Fly Tying. I thought, well, you know, there's very much a, a tradition, a stigma, that it's an old man's sport. And, that, and I wanted to try and do something completely different to everyone else in, you know, the, the industry. So I tried to make it slightly more modern, more interesting. Uh, and that's really where it came from. And yet you, you touched on it earlier, you know, me saying, oh, you know, one, two orders a day four or five orders a day, 10 orders. And, you know, it was a gradual build-up. Um, and, you know, we did some really good business over the, the years. But like anything and everything, you know, when you get recessions and things like that, a lot of people start looking at trying to supplement their income. And what I found, especially in, in this industry, is that there are a lot of people out there that um, just did it on price. And, you know, would try and undercut, not really make profit or... If they did, you know, they weren't paying the VAT, they weren't paying the, ta- you know, uh, and, and it did become harder. Um, and you had to be very, very mobile in your business thinking to try and, you know, make sure that you had the latest and greatest to see the fish rise then. Yeah, yeah. So that's just had a lovely head and tail. Sorry to, to cut across <laughs> that, but that was, uh, I'm pretty certain that was a grayling. Um, I'd be surprised if it was a trout this time of year. Um, and yeah, yeah. Um, it wasn't hard to do. Um, it was hard to let go of the consistent income before and actually go, right, this is going to be our job now. Um, you know, and it was a family business. Um, and, um, you know, it got to critical mass and, and you know, it grew and grew. Um, and I have to say, um, you said earlier that I was the front man, but behind the scenes, uh, I had a couple of people that were absolutely fantastic. Um, none more so than my younger sister, who actually, to be honest, she ran the business. You know, she was awesome. Um, and she was with me right to the, the day that I sold it. Um, and, you know, I'm very proud of uh, the help that she's given me. That's really, really cool to hear. And was it a difficult adjustment? Because, you know, I've always seen you as, without blowing smoke up your ass, a mover and a shaker in the industry. So was that a difficult adjustment to make from being in the centre of it to all of a sudden not a player in in quite the same way was that difficult to come to terms with at first a hundred percent and it's really funny you should say that because uh, a friend of mine yesterday on social media um put something up saying he only ever seems to hear from people when they want something from him Uh, and I kind of applied to him and said you know what you know everyone wants to be your mate when you can be useful to them and then suddenly 
um, you know, when you're not quite so useful, you see who your true friends are. Now, it doesn't mean people have got to contact me every day and, you know, anything. You know, Pete, myself and you, we're best of buddies. And sometimes we might not speak to each other for a few weeks, but we pick up like we spoke to each other five minutes ago. And, and that's a, a true sign of friendship. And I'm super blessed that I've got some amazing friends. And like I said earlier, that's, that's what I took out of it. But yeah, I would say it is difficult when you're when you're known and you're an, an okay fish in a tiny pond um, and then suddenly, you know, you're out of it. Um, it. It does take a bit of time to adjust, but at the same time, I found my love for fishing back again. I actually go fishing when I want to go fishing rather than have to go fishing because I'm promoting this or I'm promoting that or, you know, I have to do a social media post here, there or everywhere. So now I'm enjoying my time fishing again, which is super important. That's nice. I, I wasn't. I, do you know what? I was thinking in my mind whether I wanted to ask the question that you've already answered, and it must be a very difficult one. I know, you know, I used the word word big heart because of that exact reason that you said, and it, I, I was always very protective of you in the sense that I would hate to think people taking um, advantage, and I know you're smart enough to see that, um, but. I know we've had a fair few arguments and I, I know when I'd walk into your store with your sister, I'd say to her, I want you to listen to nothing he says because I wanted to buy everything at full price because I knew you'd try and give me a discount. And actually, we didn't have too much of an argument over breakfast this morning. You let me buy it, didn't you? Well, I knew that there was no point. And, you know, next time I'll do it even before you get the chance. I nearly did when you went for the loo, actually, but I thought it's going to annoy you. So I'll, I'll do the gentlemanly thing and let you pay for a change. But you're right. I mean, what's the saying? There's there's greater happiness in giving than receiving. And you know what? Um, I, I, I enjoy trying to make other people happy. Um, that makes me happy. And, you know, if someone takes advantage, well, you know, then they've taken advantage. And that's probably the best money you've spent. Do you know what I mean? You know, you lend someone 20 quid and they never pay it back. Well, you know that that 20 quid was well spent. Oh, that's, and that's beautifully put. And I'll just wrap this up because this fish, we're sort of standing here, thigh deep in freezing cold water at the moment, waiting to see if that fish will rise. He's on that tighter bank to us. We've got to sort of make a, a cast under a tree branch that well, Toby's going to make it. He's not gone again. And we'll, I guess we'll watch this for a little bit and wait and see what happens but um yeah it's exciting to see a fish rise like we say the sun's behind us at the moment and it's it's nice to to see that and it like you say that important point and we live in a society now i think we're moving away from this now where people felt well i'm sort of insta famous so i should get free stuff and it feels to me you know, you were in the, the start of where that sort of happened, but I think we're moving away from that. And I think that's good for people. It's good for fishing and for people to focus on why we actually do it. Free stuff is lovely, but it's not going to change your life. It might bring you short-term happiness and, and some of the things that go with it. But I think we're moving away from that. Are you detecting that? Yeah, 100%. I've always said you know, no one's famous in fishing. It's only fishing. You know, if you asked a hundred people on the, the street, do you know this person, that person that maybe is well known within our industry, they wouldn't have a clue. So I think that uh, people are starting to realize that it is only fishing. Um, 
you'll always get one or two that, you know, hop from brand to brand promoting this, that and the other. And, you know, I don't begrudge people doing that because, you know, everyone has to make a living and it's hard making a living in fishing. Anyone thinks that, you know, it's easy um, and that it's a dream job, you know, having a fishing business or, or being a guide or whatever. Yes, it is. But at the same time, you're never going to become rich. Good point. Now, this fish hasn't gone again. What do you think is the best strategy? Are we going to offer him an nymph and see what happens? Or do you think we wait a little bit longer? What do you fancy doing? Well, I think we need to gink up this little bit of yarn because it's sinking pretty quick. Um, and then uh, wait for a couple of minutes, um, have a bit of a chinwag. And uh, if it doesn't come up, I think we need to cover it over with a nymph. And let's, fingers crossed, get it. Cool, man. I haven't fished down this area of the X for quite some time and I think probably the last time I did was with Toby and it was quite amusing that we were, um, a mutual friend of ours had organised a competition for an article he was going to write for a magazine and it was to catch a as many species of fish in a day as you possibly could and so Toby and I hatched the plan. We were on one team. And I, the problem for me is I'm so uncompetitive that the guys, the, uh, Toby and Howard, I even put them in the right place where we met and showed them where they'd catch a trout and stuff like that. And then there was a pond nearby that I know we caught some species in and I showed them where to go and stuff like that. So I was probably never going to win it from that point of view. But we wanted to try and we were meeting in Tiverton and it was getting towards the end of the day. I said, well, you know, we might be able to cinch it with a grayling. And the river, there'd been some rain and the river had been quite big. And I nearly killed myself wading across the river to a spot where I knew there was a pretty good chance of catching a grayling. I caught probably the smallest ever grayling. And Toby's cheering me on from the safety of the bank. I've put the fish in my net and it was one of the earlier mesh nets the only downside of the silicone net was that the fish was so small i got to within about three feet of toby and i think did we have to get a photograph of it or something yeah, yeah we had to get a photograph of it and it slipped through the hole in the mesh and that was gone and we'd lost the competition as well it turned out but that was that was kind of fun wasn't it oh excellent and there's always some really um cool stories um i don't know whether you're going to mention the one about the pole cat that decided it wanted to chew my, chew my leg but this thing just would not go away and obviously it was a fairly tame pole cat or something i don't know <laughs> <laughs> the, and, and there's been some other stuff as well because i was thinking about all the places that we fished and you know we've been we've caught grayling in yorkshire we've caught salmon in cumbria great big trout in scotland on the borders there and and places like that and i remember that trout that you caught and we were fishing a river on the borders there i won't name it but we were fishing there was a group of us up there and i was sitting down for a, a bite of bite to eat and there was a fish that you had just beaten the hell out of when you it was rising and it wasn't yeah. eating wasn't eating wasn't eating and then you hooked it and i didn't think it was that big a fish and I didn't even get up. I was busily enjoying my sandwich. think, well, this is quite nice. He'll have that in a minute. And it turned out it was quite a special fish. It was, how much was it in the way? How much did it weigh? I think it was over five. Uh, it's still my largest sort of UK wild brown trout. Um, I mean, we had a, a great um, 
time up there, a few of us, didn't we? And you know, different different rivers. Um, and well, the fish was just on the munch. And you could, I don't know how many casts I must have done to it. I see. I thought it was quite a special fish. I could see it moving, and it, you know, to be able to sight cast to a you know a decent wild fish like that is really exciting. But it was pretty picky. Got it in the end, and yeah, still my largest uh, wild brown. Um, I mean, we've fished all over the place. You know, we've done some saltwater fly fishing, haven't we, for the bass and things. And it's just nice to get out and try different things. You know, whether you catch loads or not. I mean, t- today's not been our most successful day so far. Um, but just to get out and chat and uh, and enjoy the sunshine and the company and, you know, be by the water is amazing. Yeah, absolutely. I'm sort of kind of thinking as well... Uh, Toby, with all of his connections on the way up to that trip, was extraordinary that, um, you know, he said, well, look, and I stayed overnight um, and he met me. I think you stayed overnight with me, actually, didn't you? And, yeah. and then we, he said, well, I'm going to make a call. I'm going to get us on the Eden. Yeah. And that was kind of cool as well. And it was a tidal section. It was lower down. And we sort of caught some trout that were rising and then we decided to get the double handers out and we got lucky there as well. And that, that was pretty cool as well to be able to do that and catch salmon and stuff like that. And it is all these things that you remember. And I, I often talk on here about people having catch books and everything else. And I don't keep one, but I remember all these things vividly well. I hope those things sort of stay with me that I can reflect on and and yeah they're they're, they're part of all of it aren't they really a hundred percent I mean that that bit of uh river that we fished on you know um started out like you say as uh fishing for the the brownies and and they were right on it weren't they it was amazing and we were getting excited because obviously it was a prelude to going up to the other river um where we were purposely going up to fish dries and the hatch and and all of that I've been told, you know, you really need to give it a go on the salmon as well because, you know, there's been a, a couple caught recently. And and Pete, you, I mean, I'm not a great salmon angler. I will never, ever profess to be a great salmon angler. Me neither. Um, but on that occasion, mate, what a fish you had. It was fresh as a daisy, wasn't it? Yes, yeah, I was very, very lucky. And it was just one of those instinct ones. And we were about to wind in and I said to Tobe, I think I'm going to have one more go, one more. I'm going to let it go right over the lip of the, the pool. And, and thankfully it went tight and um, managed to catch a really beautiful, special um, silver fish. So that was cool. But this is, again, you know, almost sort of surreal. that There's a footpath next to us. There's a lovely run in. And, you know, we're just sort of chatting away. We're not even fishing that hard, to be honest. You know, I think if we were serious about it, we'd probably be nymphing. But, you know, Toby was saying that the, the, the bottom of the water here is, you know, it is, and it's, we're almost in the middle of Tiverton, really. And, you know, there's nowhere really for the fish to hunker down to get out of the way. He's worried about the Magansas, the cormorants and everything else, and all the changes that we've had on the river. And so, you know, I think if we were a bit more serious about it, we'd probably um, get the, I'm sort of holding the nymph rod while Toby's casting. And that's an important thing as well, isn't it? Knowing when you fish with somebody, knowing when it's somebody else's turn. That's a, you know, I've learned many lessons that way that, you know, when to switch over. And I know with us, it, it just is very, very easy and slots in very, very easily. But that can be a difficult process sometimes as well, can't it? 
A hundred percent. The thing is, Pete, both you and I would much rather, I would much rather you catch a fish. You would much rather I caught a fish. And if, you know, if you look from that premise, I think that's maybe the guide in you in the, in the past. And I've done a bit obviously for you in the past as well, but you know, you get so much joy from sometimes taking maybe someone that hasn't been out very much or showing them your part of the river and you get as much joy actually, you know, getting them onto a fish as you you do yourself now i am more competitive than you you know that but i still enjoy you know just sharing a rod talking like i say it's not about numbers it's just about um enjoying the day really it's funny you mentioned about the guiding as well and and you've done some guiding with us um and i remember i'm reminded of a piece of, um and if you ever get the chance to read it um dylan tamine has written a really fantastic book um, and hopefully i'll get him on the podcast at some stage as well but he talks about guiding and how guiding wasn't for him and how guiding isn't for everybody and he talks about that he had a particularly difficult person that he was guiding with and he was concentrating so hard at the back of their head. He was trying to make their head explode because he couldn't take any more of the day. Sadly, it didn't work for him and he had to, to go through it. But it's a beautifully, very amusing, very funny piece about being a fishing guide. And I know you had a, a time where, and I know we had a, a group of guides out on the day. And I think I was out with a bunch of people and you and Luke had a bunch of people during Mayfly. And that was kind of a, a testing experience for you as well, wasn't it? A hundred percent. Like I said, I love getting people into fish, but when you're literally, you know, talking the fish on to the fly and, you know, you've got probably the best fly hatch that you've seen on the river for years and the fish are going absolutely nuts and you've got someone that can't see a size 10 mayfly 10 yards away, um, it becomes very, very, very stressful. So, um, you know, the, 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 the positive thing is I got out afterwards and, and fished uh, the spinnerfall, I think, and that was awesome. But, you know, that, that's the things that test you. And, and I wouldn't ever call myself um, a particularly good guide because, um, you know, I, I do want to get my customers, you know, my, my clients into fish. Um, and I do get frustrated if, if I... Uh, if I can't do that, I take that as a personal slight on myself that I've not done my job properly. I'm very, very critical of myself, to be honest. It was very funny, though. I was on the other bank and I mouthed to Toby, how's it going? And all I could see was so he can't see the fly. He can't see the fly. But I think they caught some in the end. But yeah, it's not always the dream job that you think it is. Coming back to the fishing again, we're sort of entering into the town now, really. And it's very urban, uh, stone wall. There's trees on the far side, nothing on our side. There's just a uh, pathway and then like a, uh, a flood wall, I guess. And then there's a ledge and we've been walking along that and just been chatting. We've been fishing just the bamboo and the indicator. And Toby said he saw a fish just rise up almost opposite where we're standing. and. Um, I covered it a number of times, tried to induce it, nothing, nothing, nothing. And then we got the Euro Euro setup out and Toby hooked the fish, which just came off after a few moments. I think, have you seen another one, did you say? I think I just yeah. saw a rise then. Yeah, he thinks he's seen a rise as well, so that's encouraging. And it looks as though, you know, you try and rationalise these things. Was it... Um, you know, a fish, there's a few olives been on the water, like 
one, two, three flies. That's been about it. Um, but seeing that fish move up in the water column was encouraging. Um, yeah, he's got one now. So, yeah, that's another one for the microphone. Another grayling, about half a pound or so, three quarters yeah, of a pound, something like that in there and so it may be that that's set up here the water's not particularly deep it's probably about thigh deep um but the two nymphs is clearly working a lot better that presentation of the flies is working in this situation a whole lot better and that's encouraging to see yep and he's been manipulating the fly a little bit as well so that's kind of helped just see a midge in front of me the sun's out it's cold you know i've got the hood of my fleece up as well although I was just seeing a kid walking along in a t-shirt which makes me feel a bit inadequate I have to say but there we go anyway but yeah that's interesting to see so you know two setups there's something we can take from this that the two setups does make a little bit of a difference I'm gonna persevere so what I've done after Toby hooked that fish um, was changed things up and I made my I changed the fly for starters made it a little bit bigger I think it's a Frenchie the pattern's called you know it's black nymph silver bead silver thread with some red on the back and then added a foot or so of tippet as well to see if that would get me into the game just a little bit more so we're sort of standing along this ledge it's about two and a half three feet wide and then just working the water that's running against it so it's not a long cast by any means but um, I sort of sent a few up with the bamboo rod and the single nymph and then Toby's followed through and the fish I suppose because it's near a footpath don't seem as spooky you know the one I said we saw rise in the water I'd covered I've been casting further upstream and it didn't seem to just see another fish rise here now as well so that's encouraging Toby's just flipped the nymphs over so this may be that moment that we actually see something happen so we'd seen the fish rise and decided instead of flipping the nymph at it we'd try dry i put it on a deer hair emerger the rod feels completely different with the try on it and nothing there so i put a slightly bigger olive on just to see but the moment by the time i just flipped the flies on made the changes clouds come over and that stopped as is often the case you know winter fishing that those windows are incredibly short and don't last long and you got to try and take advantage and we tried to take advantage but it didn't work so what we're doing is we've got the Euronymph set up that Toby's working on sun's sort of just behind some clouds just come out again and we're hoping if that sort of gets through into the water a little bit that perhaps that might provoke um some more nymphs to hatch and perhaps the fish to move up with them as well um we'll have to wait and see but we've barely moved you know we it's an interesting bit of water as as i described previously and we're coming into what i'd describe more nymphy water in the next 20 25 feet but there's an absence of bugs on the water at the moment but yeah if we see something um rise then we're, we're prepared for it and we'll throw at it so we saw a fish rise and I had the indicator on and just tied the dry on it. I suppose it's a bit of a half-hearted um, attempt at the dry. And I had a fish came and move at it, but didn't commit. And they're really funny. I've always got a real um, yips with these fish because I find them really hard, the grayling on the X, to hit on a dry a lot of the time. And... It's just a personal thing more than anything else. And I was saying to Toby, well, fish comes and eats it. I'm going to miss it anyway. But um, 
so we decided and i'd sort of mentioned it to toby and then he said uh, yeah i think i'd probably take the indicator off and see because we wondered with that fish refusing the dry whether it was the indicator it was seeing first and it made it have a second thought so we thought fine saw another fish rise managed to get the fly out and it sort of came up and i was saying to toby oh god we saw it we saw it looked like he ate it lifted nothing there and then we're literally just casting out i was thinking about right i'm going to record something to talk about what had just happened was thinking about that and then the fi- the fly was probably three or four feet downstream of me and toby sort of pushed me as the the grayling had risen up to have a look at it and so i didn't set on that one he's got the dry on now at the moment we've got like an olive pattern on he's dancing it around a little bit more to see if that'll bring someone into play but it's been encouraging to see that happening so sometimes making you know i suppose at winter time it is it can easily be a half-hearted effort because you know that window is going to be tiny we hadn't seen that many fish rise you know two that was about it and i wouldn't call it intense they were real once a fish but it's been encouraging to see that you make a little bit of a change you put a little bit more effort in and lo and behold something can happen it was just user or operator error um that didn't make it stick but as i said i've always had problems and i said so well any advice on hitting these fish what is the advice on hitting these grayling on dries well i'm not going to swear but um I'm not sure that there is any advice on the X. Obviously, it's like anything. The, the grayling, as you saw, um, are dropping back to take the dry. So they're inspecting it as they're dropping back to, uh, to, to rise. So I think it's a case of just trying to be, um, control your emotion and, and not stick the, uh, stick the hook, as they say, um, too quickly. Um, you know it's it's just tough especially when you can see the fish i mean we're we're fishing today and normally the the river x has a bit of a tinge of color but today it's pretty clear um it's still virtually impossible to see any fish on the bottom um and then when you're looking upstream and you see the odd fish pop um you know i've covered a couple and and bumped a couple and hooked you know them once they've risen um but it's hard. It's hard. But then that's not the point, is it? The point is just giggling. I mean, me and you started giggling when that one came up just because it's I just had one come yeah. and have a look then. Um, but he refused. Um, you know, it, it, it's about fun. I keep saying this word, fun, fun, fun. And you don't have to hook it sometimes to have had the enjoyment of seeing the fish be deceived by your fly and uh, come up and then flip the fin at you, basically. That's the funny thing about these rises, though, aren't they? They're not, you know, we talk, uh, many people who are regular um, grayling anglers and know about that, uh, the bubble and all that sort of stuff. And I know trout sometimes do cause those, but, um, you know, grayling, you're looking, and you just don't see that with them here. It's almost a vertical sort of take, isn't it? And I don't know if that's something to do with what makes them difficult, because the, the first fly I put on was a deer herder emerger, which I thought, well, if the flies in the water because i knew they you know from past experience there i personally find them harder to touch on a dry um but yeah i just wondered by sitting the the hook in the fly i went to an olive done that we've got on now a little bit bigger to see if it would bring them up and i've not managed I i think the one he had a good look i thought i waited lifted into it and there was nothing there sort of thing so it it seems to me almost as if the rise is are a 
a, a law unto themselves to a degree, aren't they? Yeah, 100%. I think it's more of an instinct thing. I don't think they're feeding, really. Um, the odd fish is coming down and maybe, you know, we've had uh, very high water um, a little while back and, and, and maybe they're just thinking about now having a look and, you know, t- taking a fish. Bear in mind, I've just got to say as well, I'm just casting this uh, cane rod with the dry. Oh, it is absolutely stunning and if people have never tried modern cane you really must give it a go it's not sloppy it's you know yeah it's a touch heavier than your carbon rods or your graphite or graphene or whatever they're using these days but absolute joy to cast with it's phenomenal i'm pleased you're enjoying it and it is i've found with from an accuracy point of view it's very there's not a lot of lateral movement either it is pretty true that it goes where you aim it sort of stuff it's not sort of bouncing around all over the place which is encouraging but the hunt for a february dry fly grayling continues and we'll see what we can come up with so toby called the play that you know the fish that we'd seen came had a look at the dry and suggested a really short dropper underneath the dry tiny little nymph underneath we'd sort of covered fish and no real joys and then Toby had a go and he talked about a friend of his had fished some spiders here and down and across and we talked about that and he let his dry go downstream and then just gave it a little bit of a tweak every now and again with the rod more than anything else and lo and behold I had a fish and I did likewise and had one so Roger the net has been christened my Eden uh, made net has been christened now so i'm really pleased about that so that was good my reel everything else so um i'm always funny i'm i always think i'm i'm not superstitious but with fishing for some stupid reason i am and things like caps have to be right you know if i'm not catching a fish and i'm wearing a new cap i'm uncomfortable with that um and it's always nice when you sort of broken your duck with something new obviously the rod i've been lucky enough to catch a number of fish on but um with the new reel and new net and stuff like that you want to get them wet and get them used and it's been nice from that point of view so you know sometimes these calls in play and where the fish hadn't hit the the dries cleanly cleanly that's obviously made a little bit of a difference we've not seen and I, I will stress that you know this isn't a big risathon that's going on here there've been once of rises we try to cover them and gone from there they're, they're certainly not hard on it at the moment but sometimes you've got to tweak things around a little bit to find the fish and you know toby found a method of doing it one of the things i wanted to talk to you about toby that since you know and i know you've been using the word um enjoyment a lot in this podcast and i know that and i know i haven't fished with you with a number of years but and i know you said when you stopped um or when you sold funky that um you were enjoying your fishing a whole lot more did you ever feel sort of i I think i know the answer but you know do you fish differently as a result of not being the guy from funky um to a degree i mean i've not ever really given a toss what people think of me to be brutally honest you know at the end of the day there's i know there's people out there that like me and there's people out there that don't like me and and you know you can't be all things to all people um so i've always tried to fish how i want to fish um you know when you when i had the business 
there was different pressures because you had to be trying out new materials. You had to be, you know, something new came in, you'd go out, you'd catch a fish, you'd take a photograph, take a photograph of the fly, maybe get one of the team members to tie something up and, you know, different pressures. Well, now, um, you know, I, I was going to sit down last night and tie half a dozen flies just for this trip. I can't be bothered, to be brutally honest. And, you know, I think that a lot of the time people put too much emphasis on flies and that sort of thing when actually you know presentation um is a lot lot more um key i mean you know we've just had a couple of fish in quick succession um and we both worked out kind of what was happening really you know the fish are um taking but they're you know they're, they're needing to be induced they needed to be tempted to take rather than coming up the odd fish has been rising but it has been the odd i've you know covered them with nymphs and had them um you know you've covered them with the dry and had them sort of come up but it's been a bit half-hearted so it's just um <coughs> excuse me um it's just yeah just enjoyment again just that's 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 i keep coming back to it um i don't fish any differently really to, to what i did before but now i fish for myself rather than um because i have to nice yeah and it is you know we barely moved we haven't moved probably in the last two hours we've probably moved 150 yards. yeah 150 yards if that and it's not been a lot and we've been patient we've waited we've tried we've mixed things up a little bit and it's you know been able to figure stuff out a little bit which has helped things um, a great deal we've not had a lot to go at as well so it's made you probably think about it a little bit more and i think we're both you know toby spotted a fish just in front of us actually um and so you know we can hear the dogs in the background there's people walking along somebody doing the gardening on the other side and it's kind of i kind of like that part of it as well and people are sort of stopping when you hook a fish and watching and stuff like that and I, I kind of enjoy all of this as well but yeah figuring figuring it out on a relatively tough day has been an interesting one and you know somebody i've not done any this is the first grayling i've caught this winter season i've not done any and toby called that play much quicker and i'm generally pretty quick to call something but i was saying to him you know the fishing i do now and even when i was lucky enough in the podcast we did in argentina we're casting dries sometimes for rising fish but into spots whereas we're fishing the water here today um, except when we see those odd rises and generally for me my fishing generally now is fishing to fish so it just goes to show that though it's a form of fishing and and certainly with Toby I've done for many many years with him fishing the water it's something I haven't done so much of particularly when I've not really been fishing um, over this winter session or this winter season at all so just goes to show you know if you're out doing it and, and thinking about it and, and thinking about your fishing when conditions aren't giving you the fish easily then don't be afraid to make changes and it's lucky when you've got a friend who calls that one as well you're sort of standing up high and one of the flatter bits we talked at uh talked talk to you about this morning when um would gone upstream of the weir because our hope was that we might see something move and it's interesting that we've got a pretty good view into the water the thing to bear in mind i guess is that as toby was saying you know the grayling are really hard to spot 
but you could look into the water from up here and think actually there's nobody there it's, it's almost deceiving or it means how well um camouflaged these fish actually are it's extraordinary isn't it oh it is i mean you can look at something and think it's completely devoid of fish like when we were fishing earlier um and then that fish rose like 10 12 foot away from us you know and you could see the bottom you couldn't see the fish uh, and it's just amazing and then all you're looking for is just that little unusual movement that can key your eye in and you keep watching that little bit of water watching that bit of water and then suddenly you can just sort of make out a fish but at the moment i'm seeing absolutely nothing but it's not to say there's none there it's funny it reminds me and you know we we built when i first moved to guide at the fox and hounds the first opening day it was just me and you wasn't it and it grew into something quite big and what we'd do is just open the doors and everyone would come fishing but the amount of times we fished there and you'd think there were no fish in the river wouldn't you absolutely open day you'd be lucky if you got a fish but then you know give it a month and with a bit of a hatch it's completely the opposite and and you just wonder where all these fish go sometimes but they're still there they're just not feeding or they're dormant or they're only feeding for such a short period of time i said to you a minute ago oh i think that it's uh it's switched off it just had that feeling no real you know change to the water or anything it just felt like the fish had gone well we've had our 20 minutes you know we've had one or two bits to eat that's it now we're just gonna sit on the bottom and uh, and wait for the next lot and that probably i sort of floated in front of toby as well perhaps we should go and have a cup of coffee and a bit of cake somewhere so i think that's gonna be um the plan it has been always super chilled super good fun i hope you've enjoyed this it's been really cool and I, I like i always try and do with these things get a little bit so you get to know the person as well a little bit more and i think with this it's been really nice just to chat about some of the stuff we've done and some of the places we've been and and get to know about somebody who built a really impressive brand in a very very dip, difficult marketplace and i've been incredibly proud to know toby and incredibly proud to see how dramatically and successfully that business has grown um and to see him still loving his fishing as much as he always has done so mate it's been brilliant to catch up it's been brilliant fishing with you as always um that was pretty good fun though wasn't it It was tough but pretty good fun awesome mate and the thing is i think we just need to try and make a bit more effort together to get out it's just you know life takes over sometimes but um certainly i've got a funny feeling we're going to be fishing a little bit more together this year well that would be really cool so this has been another episode of the fly culture podcast i hope you've enjoyed this one like i mentioned at the very beginning um you know this is the day after the bffi i wasn't there on the sunday but it was there on the saturday and thank you to the amount of people who came up and i'd not had the pleasure of meeting you before but told me you'd enjoyed the magazine or you'd enjoyed this podcast and thank you that meant a hell of a lot to me and it was lovely to meet you so um this is the end of this episode but as ever there'll be plenty more coming down the line the fly culture podcast is brought to you in association with fly culture a quarterly print magazine for more information please visit flyculturemag.com you can also find fly culture on instagram facebook and twitter